Welcome to Fapping About Film. I'm Andy. I'm Vivian. And we're beginning a special report on the Chattanooga Film Festival from Yay. 2022. Yes, that we're was reporting. a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. We're reporting live from like two weeks afterward. Well, we're recording live from two weeks afterwards. We're alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, probably not one people are listening to it. Right, right. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, pay no attention to the uh, goings-on behind the curtain. All right, they, uh, Chattanooga Film Festival, it's kind, of a, uh, it's kind of a genre picture fest taking place in our backyard at Chattanooga. Right. Our, you know, our extended area backyard within 300 miles of us. In the south. You know, because uh, plans being what they were, they decided to go virtual this year as they have for the last three years because covid Mm-hmm. and uh it's ruined everyone's plans yeah it would have been you, nice to actually be able to go to the to the actual screenings but i think that i don't know that we've been able to catch some as many movies as we did right if that had been the case you know since right. we basically like hold up and uh and just watch movies you know morning morning to late at night basically <laughs> yeah morning noon and night we uh all we like did was I, watch stuff. <laughs> I had totally intended to watch all 40 of the features and plus as many of the shorts as we could. I wanted um, to. It didn't quite turn out that way. I think our... Uh, I mean, we did, we did pretty good. Oh, yeah, we did pretty good. I think our uh, total was like about 20 of the movies and what is it, like uh, 50 of the shorts or 40? Something like that. I don't know. I haven't counted them. Anyway, they had like over 40 movies and like... 70 something short films and i think we watched basically half of everything yeah that that was a lot though you know oh, and oh yeah I, w- I wish we could have watched more it wasn't for lack of trying the yeah. thing is that we also um we kind of had to miss a couple of days mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't you know we can beg off work basically <laughs> yeah but we did make the best of the time that we had mm-hmm. and it was like a great experience yeah uh, like when you buy the guest pass or whatever it was like 130 bucks for five or six days of like access to every one of these movies on demand yeah nonstop. you could just watch them nonstop, and then they had like the ones that would only there would be like special showings where Mm -hmm. you you could only watch it on that particular day and everything right and they had like a secret screening that they weren't telling anybody about that we're not even talking about it But foreseeing that this was going to be a big undertaking and trying to uh, streamline the uh, the movie assessment process for us, you know, my, my idea of making templates for each of the movies for us to uh, discuss certain points, I came up with a new system, patent pending, um, uh-huh. that, you know, when we're looking at films, we're looking at four things. We're looking at the looks, the feels, the skills, and the smells. Yes, the looks, feels, skills, and smells. The new movie rating system for the ages. Yeah. <laughs> yup. <laughs> All right. Our, our first criteria, the looks, should be self-explanatory. It's the look of it. 
you know, like the visual spectacle, the visual spectacle. Yes. Um, the general art direction, the, the, the way that the movie uh, is presented. The way, the way it looks, you know, like the design, everything mm-hmm. that you see with your eyes, that's looks. <laughs> okay. Looks. Uh, you know, I think the cinematography would fit in this category too, but it also fits yeah. in the skills, which, you know. Yeah. The next criteria that we have is feels, which is how did it make us feel? How did it make you feel? The emotion, the grip of the story, were the characters well realized? Were mm-hmm. you bored? Exactly. Like the, the general impression of the movie, I think. Yeah. How, how, how did you feel? Does, does this make this film make you feel? Did you have the feels? The feels. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and the skills, which, you know, the craft of the filmmaking, the direction, yeah. acting, stunts, stuff that makes you stand up and say, wow, that's what I call film banking, volume two. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's uh, filmmaking, ed- editing, directing, uh, cinematography, uh, how uh, also how well a script was crafted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, any anything that has to do with the work that was put into the movie, you know, to make it what it is, right? And how and how well executed that is, right? And you know, like technical aspects of it for like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, this is. It's like they built a whole apparatus. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, next up is uh, the smells, which is ca- kind of an odd topic, but bear with me. Uh, <laughs> what is the film's agenda or message, if there is one? How are its politics? What are the degrees of pandering? Does it smell like fascist propaganda or is it uh, pro worker? <laughs> a-, a good example of this would be. Uh, Mel Gibson's 2004 remake of Jesus Christ Superstar. And like, for one, I didn't like the music much, but, you know, like a a clear indicator of smells would be like a lot of people said that this had, you you know, sort of negative depictions of uh, Jewish people. And I guess like given history and how things have uh, turned out with Mel Gibson since then, uh, there might've been some uh, truth to that, maybe an underlying, uh, agenda <laughs> yeah so um uh what the, the way that i see that that category is uh sort of like the uh, in a way maybe philosophical or ideological drive of the movie if there is one or um what if if it drives to any kind of philosophical point for example right. that's the way that i see it right. but is it woke woke moralists <laughs> yeah you have to yeah now you have to splice it in yeah how, how did we we'll live? see we'll see who cancels who woke moralists up yours woke moralists we'll see who cancels who uh is this film canceling you or is it cancelable and why did you call this thing smells well <laughs> you came up with it i'm not gonna say anything (laughs) yeah yeah there there was some uh, pushback on this but up yours i I came up with it and i stand by it you're good good well you know we did use it yeah yeah it came in handy on a few of these films um Mm -hmm. and so you know i made this little uh quick uh, rundown list so that we could quickly assess films and then move on to the next one and watch all 40 um Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, we, you know, of course, we also took other notes. But yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> we, th- this notes. was our, our main assessment, you know, after after the movie was done. OK, so. Yeah. What were the looks? What were the feels? You know, mm-hmm. how did it make you feel? Mm hmm. Did it cancel? No, <laughs> but um, I thought this was like a pretty good thing to get a feel for the movies, uh, a mm-hmm. look, a feel, and the skill and smell. Anyway, uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and lead on into our movies. Awesome. All right. I'm Andy. I'm Vivian. All right. In our first leg of the journey, we're going to start talking about the documentaries. You know, that's what you're all here for. Come to this genre <laughs> film festival and talk about all the documentaries we saw. Those are the interesting ones. I, I enjoyed them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are some good ones and there are some interesting ones. Let me uh, get my notes in order here. All right. Our first film is One Road to Quartzite, uh, directed by Ryan Maxey from 2022. It's an 87-minute documentary mm-hmm. uh, in English. One Road to Quartzite, 100 to Hell. Yep. A ragtag group of crust punks, libertarians, snowbirds, and elderly folk from become unlikely neighbors during their annual pilgrimage to a temporary long-term camping community in Quartzite, Arizona. Steeped in rural folklore and full of a diverse, complicated set of characters, One Road um, to Quartzite is a beautiful, poetic, observational portrait of people trying to live hey. outside the constraints please, of American society. Read don't read the, the, the freaking, the freaking sign, the synopsis. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just, just, just shut down the freaking recording and, and forget about having a podcast. Which all you're going to do is just read the, the, the synopsis that they got you at the CFF. Right, right. Which well, actually, which actually, that that's also that that synopsis sucks anyway. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to that. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I mean, just cut that thing off. <laughs> off, please. <laughs> like, great. oh my god. <laughs> we can see, we have our all overlapping dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's roll. Um. <clears throat> okay. Right. So, oh. Uh, one Road to Courtside was uh, thought a really interesting documentary about this uh, spot in the Arizona desert where different kinds of people me- uh, meet and live and sort of encounter each other. There's definitely different strata of people to it. And the way that it starts is that it starts introducing you to sort of like old people that either live there or that come in their big Winnebago's, the snowbirds kind of thing, you know, like the the people that travel during the winter. And so they just go and camp there because it's a BLM, a Bureau of Land Management land, so essentially government land, and they can stay there up to six months. Uh, So they can't just live there, but uh, they can stay there up to six months. So there's no rent or anything like that. And it has kind of like sort a of, rotating population of people that come and go. And there's people that's, that seems like they have been coming for years. Mm-hmm. And at first, it's sort of interested. There's a, it's very clever how the documentary sort of starts with these people with a more 
quirky aspect. Like they, they show this guy that is this old guy that's making jokes to the old ladies. And he's showing like this documentary from the 1990s where he was dressed exactly the same and he was old, just a little less old. <laughs> and uh, and he's showing like uh, sites of courtside, basically. Yeah. Um, and all these people that have met each other throughout the years there. And they have like a date night and stuff like that, you know, singles, you know. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah. It's almost like the village's retirement community, but for like a different generation and strata of America. I think it's what starts is a lot of like, you know, baby boomer kind of generation, you know. And of course, it's the people that can, you know, get on a trailer and go somewhere, you know, and not worry about anything else. Um, Right. So this is sort of like the people that it starts with. And, and in a way, it's, you know, the way that they talk about it and everything in the desert, you know, it's very much, it's like the old dream of the 60s of like the hippie communities in the California mm-hmm. desert, for example. Um, there's some famous bit in, in Vanishing Point, which is a movie from the 1970s, which is like, it, it's uh, it's kind of an existential movie, but it's an existential car movie, which is uh, it's an it's an interesting thing. Which is this guy that... for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so he's this guy that he's driving through. You know, he has to get you know within a certain amount of time to a certain place. But anyway, long story short, he goes through the, this desert at one point, and he finds like this sort of like hippie communities. You know, people going around naked and stuff like that. You know, and mm-hmm. this sort of like dream of just going out to the desert and, and pretending that society doesn't exist kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, it's sort of like a cross-section of the counterculture of the time. And in a way, that this is like the people that were whose, I don't know, bread and butter was sort of these kinds of fantasies. Mm-hmm. They're old now. And they have trailers. And they go visit courtside. And they do old people things, you know, but they, they, they still sort of talk about it in those, like, you know, freedom terms and stuff like that Hmm. yeah yeah so it's basically like a big rv community and and it's like you see like a lot of old people and stuff where it's just like oh this is where we've come to retire we come here every year but like that there are also um a lot of other people from different walks of life there Mm -hmm. Um, and and i think there's a very important generational cut in those people, which is, mm-hmm. I think it's a very clever thing that they've, the interesting thing to me about the movie is that the, the movie does not, there's no narrator. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just these interviews with people, like the people talking and, and, and they just show yeah. you parts of it and stuff. It sort of follows local characters. Yeah. And through them, you sort of discover this world. Mm-hmm. But then you sort of realize that, you know, you have like the old timers that people that have like, you know, the, the, the people that come in the Winnebago's and some people that have like little businesses there and stuff like that. And this one, there's a guy that has like a revival tent, basically, mm-hmm. you know, that felt very, very old time documentary kind of thing. Very even like pretend documentary, like real stories or something like that, you yeah. know. But then you start to see that he cuts into other people who are younger people. Yeah. And you can see that uh, there's like this group of children that they're playing around, you know, and and, they're, and only one of them lives there of these mm-hmm. children. There's like three children, I think. Yeah. And only only one of them lives there. And the other two, uh, their family comes 
Yeah, basically. they're, they're uh, wintering down there. But they're really poor. So mm. they're not like the people that just come in a Winnebago, you know, on vacation. They're really poor. In fact, you know, it looks like the family of one of them, like the more artistic one, his family looks like they live out of a little van. And when they talk, they have all these dreams about the future and all these hopes and stuff. And then you meet young people, but older. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the way that you meet the other kind of people that drift into Quartzside, which right. is people that have been sort of bruised out of society, yeah. you know, drug addicts, uh, homeless, homeless people, people with mental illness, like a lot of people with mental illness. And yeah. a lot of those people are young people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are young people, like, you know, in their 20s, you know, or 30s or something right. like that. There, there's, and, like, there's, there's no middle, uh, there's no sandwich generation of people there in the middle. It's either like, you know, young and very young or old and ancient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And pretty soon you start to realize, you know, what sort of the movie's going for that. The sort of cross section of the society in, in courtside, sort of a cross section of, American society in a way too, you know, you Mm -hmm. sort of see like that the old people are sort of living off of a certain, you know, certain acquired wealth in the past. And the, the young people that that are currently young, their lives are messed up. They have no hope. They just drifting. They are just, all they can do is just get a fix, you know, and, and be, you know, and be kicked out to the next camp or something. Right. And then or, you have you know, like the, the really young people who have not been, you know, bashed upside the head by the world or anything yet. And they have their dreams and their artistic aspirations and all their little stories and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like some people are just crashing there. Other people are finding like a sense of community with like other young people down there. And mm-hmm. there's like a, a lot of uh, heart and compassion that like you know you have like all these different groups of people like they're coming in they're bringing like water and stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah there's some people that come and bring food and water to the yeah so basically what are homeless camps there yeah and in the interesting thing is how uh, another thing that i really found interesting about the movie is how the way they talk about the their prospect basically you know it's like they say uh at one point the the guy that that brings stuff to the homeless he's instructing this other lady and he says don't call them homeless call them travelers you know and uh and this is sort of this is sort of like a dignity kind of thing of course but once you start seeing when they they go to go for interviews with these people it's like you can see how there's a lot of trauma and survival in how living close to violence has informed their worldview, you know, and mm-hmm. they choose not to use terms of victimhood. And instead, you know, they, they try to be defiant in a way I am being, I am here because I want to basically, yeah. you know, this is the freedom that I seek and stuff like that. Right, Even though right. these are people that have been basically kicked out of society one way or another, you know, right. very sad, very lots, again, lot, lots of violence economically um, socially just economic you know. violence yes and yes. like like you're not shown that but you can just see it and you know you can tell from like these people it's like oh i ain't got any rules here but no uh uh crystal meth or heroin um, right yeah exactly <laughs> and like okay cool 
Well, you know, it's interesting to me is what the, what the clash with violence does to people in that that are that get that drift into courtside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some some of them it makes them like sort of libertarian kind of thing that yeah. where they they go like I don't need anybody, you know, and, and stuff like that. And other people are go try to form communities, for example. Yeah. They try to go for solidarity and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh is because survival is a matter of necessity, you yeah. know, and there and and everyone has a story there of uh, some sort of clash with society in, mm-hmm. in a way. You know, they they have a trans person there too, a trans lady that yeah. that you know she 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 came in, in a truck and I'm sorry, you know, like a Winnebago kind of thing, and that's where she lives at. But yeah. her her engine gave out, so she's right. sort of stuck there. And, and she's only there, you know, like until she gets her car fixed. But it, yeah, you know. the idea is that she's passing through, but she is stuck there because she basically has no way of getting a, a new engine for, right. for the Winnebago, you know, and, and no um, outside support network to uh, go to. Exactly. And this is and this is the person that, you know, she's like an older person and she's not a person that, you know, has gotten a lot through transition medically or anything like that right. so she, she didn't start early she's... enough to be a smoke show uh, but <laughs> okay but but she's uh she's an she you can tell that she's an outcast she was an outcast before she came there and she's she's a kind of an outcast in there too i think yeah. there's a there's a bit of misdirection in in the way that the movie is presented and what it actually is which i don't mind because the movie is excellent yeah. but for example the the poster for the movie, it has this lady's trailer and she's on top, right? Mm-hmm. And she always wore pink. She always wears everything pink. And she and, and she has this pink dresses and she's wearing a pink dress. And it's very much a reference to Priscilla, you know, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert in the, mm-hmm. the 90s movie, you know, with, you know, Hugo Weaving, you know, they have these, they have the drag queens, you know, and stuff like that. You know, think for everything, Julie Newmar, you know, yeah. um, To Wong Fu. Uh, but it's not, you know, the, it's the, the person that's actually living that she is sort of trapped in that, even though she's trying to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. She is sort of trapped in that. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was uh, that, that it was interesting that you you always the way they show her, like even in courtside in this place, you know, where again, you know, it's like all this freedom and stuff. She's always in the margins of that society. You know, right. she sort of moves, but she, no one talks to her, for example. Right. You know, it's not like she has any, any uh, you know, friends in the community where like doesn't other seem people. To. Yeah. Right. And they, you know, they, they, uh, they kind of meet up and they hang out. Like, you, you know, know she, kids, she, and she has ladies. her like, like her, you know, looks like her friends, are like her plushies, basically, you know. Yeah. And it's really sad. I think that there's a, there's a really sad note in the movie, which is very well done. Oh, because yeah. It's not uh, you understand the the pain and the sadness of these people, mm-hmm. you know. Right. That's uh, another thing I want to say. The movie's like very non-judgmental. Yeah, yeah. Because for example, you, like have... you see a bunch of people with like Trump merchandise and everything out there, and you know they're just getting by and getting along, but they're yeah. There's like a bunch of like you know Trump 2020 flags. Like I think it was, it was done in 2019 or something. Yeah. But there's like a bunch of like Trump 2020 flags, you know, and uh, and it's funny because then you see some like the people because they're like right there on the border, right? Mm-hmm. 
that they go and get their teeth done in Mexico. Oh, right. You know, I because, forgot about because, that. Because it's cheaper, you know? Right. And it's and it's funny that people that praise freedom, you know, the big part of American freedom there is uh, is favorable exchange rates, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's it. And, and, and it's not presented in a sort of gotcha way or anything like that. I just, you know, it's just interesting the way that the movie just, it, again, it doesn't have a narrator and it just presents you with a sort of like a street side view of, what's going on in there it just and it just lets you connect with the people i think it's a very humanistic kind of movie which i really liked yeah I, I found the whole thing like like kind of anxious and depressing overall but mm-hmm. there is also like a very like a very true sense of hope like a lot of these people of like I, i'm one personal tragedy away from just throwing up my hands and quitting but a lot of these people have like all these things that they tell themselves that, you know, they tell themselves just to keep going on. Like, mm-hmm. oh, don't refer to them as homeless or they're not homeless. They'll tell you they're travelers. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah. one, I'm not stuck here. Uh, I'm just here till I get my car fixed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can see at one point, which it, that lady that the guy that's helping the homeless, uh, she says like, oh, when did you start being homeless? Whatever. And he's like, I'm not homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm I'm just traveling. I'm I'm just I'm just here for the time being, or something like that. And they instantly go defensive. And yeah. the the guy that's like an old hand that's been bringing and connecting with these people for a long time, you know, he knows how to talk to them. Yeah, know? yeah. And and I think it's interesting how, in a way, uh, how your clash with pain in the world informs your worldview so much. You mm-hmm. know. And in, in the case of these people that have suffered, that obviously have suffered a lot, a lot of them have suffered a lot and they still suffer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very much, you know, because everyone has a worldview, you know, everyone has what they think, how they think the world runs. And it's shaped by our experiences, of course, you know, material experiences. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the hopeful part is the part with the children. I think that that was well done. You know, sometimes it feels like, you know, I wonder if, if this is real, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, I almost felt like a, like a, like a nineties indie movie, that part, you know, it's like yeah, these kids yeah, have the, like yeah. a camera and they're sort of filming, you know, here and there and, and sort of splice with what they're filming. And I, I, yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. It seemed less naturalistic, but I thought it was really good because in a way that's the court side it's it's kind of a dead end you know mm-hmm. and the kids are always you know with their plans and schemes and they even see the place in a much more beautiful light you know yeah. than a lot of the adults that are just wandering through the desert yeah i was going to suggest uh, like the the kids like either one or all of them kind of felt like maybe like they were actors or something i mean they were playing like very naturally like kids about certain things Mm-hmm. and behaving but you know it's like i, I, mean, I don't could, i'm not familiar I mean, but... with the institution of reality tv but it seems like these kids would act uh a little bit like differently or something around it cameras be, it could be that they were given more direction by the you know by the director you yeah, know yeah. maybe the director gave him the camera or something you know because he had access to the uh their uh to you know what they shot and stuff like that and I don't know. I just, I just think that again for the the whole generational aspect of the movie, I think it worked very well. Mm. 
Oh, yeah. So yeah. shall we go to our looks, feels, skills, and smells? Yeah. Looks, uh, great landscapes, uh, a lot of great shots of the, the trailer park and <laughs> just that desert landscape, and plus all of the odd and, and unique Americana that's just laying around the mm-hmm. place. Yeah, the movie is a classic bit of like weird Americana and it looks gorgeous like the the that desert with that that you know super ultra blue sky and the sun you know on on the white desert it's it's gorgeous it looks great and with regards to the feels i think we've talked about this but i think it was very expertly handled i would love to watch any other documentaries that this director does um it's it just it just lets you understand it and uh and guides you silently through this place you know mm-hmm. which i thought i thought it was really good oh yeah yeah like uh, the the feels i was like kind of anxious depressed but you know worked my way back up to hopeful and like without like a heavy-handed narration or anything like it sort of has a clear point and it has point it has characters they're fun and tragic moments And like people are just kind of like going through their lives and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a profound experience. Like when you have that realization near the end that like, this is what people are telling themselves to just keep going. And Mm -hmm. they found a way to do that. And, you know, like avoid harder drugs, depression, all kinds of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I just think that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And the skills, uh, you know, definitely very nicely shot. There's, you know, it's very, again, it's very naturalistic. So there's mostly just the documentary shots. And uh, yeah, but I think the editing is very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I really like the editing uh, because it intersperses all these sort of weird little bits of, of courtside as a place and its history and some of the people that have lived there and in its events, you know, you know, sort of things that you would only see if you were there, you know, it's like, there's, it's a very local place, but um, at the same time, it, 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 it kind of has these sort of lines with the, with some of the characters, the storylines in it, which they're very well done and, mm-hmm. you know, very well handled. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, like all of what you said, Plus, uh, I think they did this one really neat thing with like when the kids are playing with the camera, they have this little picture in picture thing of what the kids are shooting with the camera mm-hmm. while you're like filming kids playing with a camera. And I thought, oh, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's what I call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on smell with regards to smells. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't think the movie ha- is, you know, has an agenda or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think it's a very material view of the people that live there. Again, it's like a very, with the feet on the ground kind of thing of, you know, showing you these, the place as it is. And uh, I really, really appreciated that, that it was, again, very humanistic too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it meets people at their worst and meets them where they're, uh, they're most hopeful too. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of David Lynch's interview project, which is a uh, a, a series of um, of these kind of very naturalistic uh, interviews with just quirky people, w- different people, normal people that he mm-hmm. would find an interview. 
uh, and just normal people in normal lives. And he's just pulling out stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Very much. It just felt very much like that. And, you know, it's just like, you like see these people that, you know, you can just, your eyes will just glance over them and not pay any attention, but you know, they have like hidden depths of like strength and resolve mm-hmm. and hope and things. And I think yeah, uh, everyone does. And then that's just really great. And like, the way the film is done it's like it's so non-judgmental it's just like these are the facts this is like what this person is living in yeah don't feel sorry for them they because they don't feel sorry for themselves uh yeah i mean i don't know i i think you're allowed to feel sorry for oh yeah no no i mean like trapped in cycles of addiction and stuff like that right no 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 i mean you know like it's like oh like uh, in the arms of an angel, uh, you know, like just look at these poor peoples. Uh, but no, it's not like that. It's just like, you know, just showing no. you these people. It's very matter of fact. I mean, there's definitely a voice, a directorial voice into what is being said, I think. But I think it lets you, it, it, like, I said, it's like I said before, it sort of guides you silently, which I, I thought yeah. it was really good. Yeah, yeah. And like, honestly, this is probably... One of my favorite movies of the festival. Same here. Uh, yeah. Definitely my favorite uh, documentary and one of my top movies. I mean, they can't be, com- they can't be all be compared, you know, but one of my top movies oh, of, yeah. of the festival. That uh, was great. Yeah. Going down the go- list of uh, great, greatest to least. To probably my second favorite documentary that we that uh well i watched you had uh, you had to go home and go to work at that point but i uh i took this in because it was uh presented by like a local comic and game shop that i uh visit from time to time infinity flux sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> but they did uh uh mike mignola drawing monsters which is like a feature-length documentary about uh, Mike Mignola, the guy that draws that uh, Hellboy comic that you might have heard of. Mm-hmm. He's also worked on some other comics, too. Um, famous for that character that's always going, hello, boys. You know, Hellboy. Okay. <laughs> if I'm thinking of the rat guy. Oh, oh but yeah, never mind. All right, and it's like a good 90 minute biography of uh, like a comic book artist, like where he came mm-hmm. from, how he got there, what he does and what he's doing. And, you know, like, overall, I, uh, I thought it was, you know, pretty good. I had never been too interested in the guy. Uh, I can't care about comic books. I really can't. I have enjoyed some of them, but you know, not your thing. Right. They're just, they're just not my bag. Even though I absorb all of the films adapted from them, because well, but to tell me a little bit about it. So, did they talk about like his life or how? Yeah, was yeah. Uh, talked about his life, like growing up, and just things that he had done, and like breaking into the comic book industry and stuff. Sort of in line with that uh, that Ren and Stimpy documentary you and I watched, mm-hmm. where um, you know it talked about like the rise and uh, fall, fall of that. Um, yeah. John Okay. <laughs> you know, it was about him and like pre- pretty much like along the lines of that, um, without the uh the fall from grace near the end there. But you know, just like kind of that, and it like explored like his friendship with uh, Guillermo del Toro, 
like you know his visual style mm-hmm. uh, so he did hellboy right yeah yeah he directed that film called hello boys <laughs> the ron perlman one but yeah you weren't you weren't there so i don't have a whole lot to say about it uh looks a lot of cool illustrations and designs like he, he does a lot of cool work it's a lot of ink like hev- heavily shadowed stuff he uh, does characters with like thick torsos and like little legs it's kind of a style thing he did a couple batman comics that way too (laughs) (laughs) again batman if you've heard of him i uh i I don't follow him i think he's a baseball player batman oh the batman he's the man of the bat oh shit yeah we did an episode on that i can't play that anyway it's it's the bat it's a friggin' bat. It's a bat. Run. Feels. Um, oh, it's a big franchise documentary with uh, moderate. Uh, oh, I don't want to say the G word. Levels of hero worship. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to say he's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> but there it is. Grist for the mill. Uh, <laughs> skills. It is a uh, competent, focused, more professional, conventional documentary. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it's a good wheel. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, Smells. uh, I have to kind of come down on this. This is unrepentant pro-Mignola propaganda. (laughs) I guess if you're into Mignola, you would like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's like the the pro-Mignolist movement has gone gone too far in a few places. I mean, I, I I would have liked to watch it. I mean, I like to watch those like visual art documentaries. Like uh, mm-hmm. even if I don't follow the actual artist or, you know, what they do, I, yeah, I like yeah. to, I like to see that process of how they do things and, you know, their artistic evolution and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but interesting to watch, you know, maybe it's maybe something that we'll, uh, I'll have to see. But yeah, I have I've never been like a fan of Hellboy or I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm, uh, I haven't I haven't seen the movies or anything. I, I just thought Ron Perlman looks stupid with that <laughs> that costume on. It's, right. it's, you know, and I'm not I'm not knocking anyone for liking it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen the movies and uh, I like the first one a lot better. <laughs> but um, I like the world that it takes place in, like all the monsters and shit. It's fun. Anyway, speaking Ooh. of monsters, <laughs> uh, the next documentary we got is. The History of Metal and Horror. The History of Metal and Horror. We did watch that together. Filmmaker Mike Schiff's straight up blast of documentary stop, explores the history please stop. of heavy metal no, music no, and no. horror. <laughs> and how two genres have okay, merged over recording time. Recording no longer in process because you suck as a reviewer. <laughs> first introduction to horror. Their favorite horror films. Their oh, influences and more. Horror film icons You're also terrible. discuss how blah, films are influenced blah, blah, by the horror genre. Their blah, connections blah, to metal blah. artists and why metal and horror work so well together. Love that. What? <laughs> like you just talking over me while I'm reading the plot synopsis and like the oh. whole. Shut down. We, we know. Let's get rid of having a bad film. Oh, it's creatively bankrupt to read a thing they give you. <laughs> To read the back well, of yeah. the box. Well, why don't we just read the Wikipedia articles while we're at it, you know? We or the, were... Rod, the Roger Ebert review verbatim or something, you know? He's Roger dead, Ebert's but dead, you know what but... I'm talking about. You yeah. know what I'm saying. 
Okay, look, the, look. Ja- the James Bardinelli review or whatever. You look, know. look, I'm just reading the back of the box. This is what it says about itself. And, we, can, uh, we, we can say that. We can say that. I don't want that. Oh, God. Anyway, you're not going to put it in there. You're just making me mad. So. No, no. I think it, I'm going to listen to it again, think it's hilarious, and then have to put it in there, and then have you like not like it at all, and then I'll sheepishly remove it with some protest. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> this a history of violence. <laughs> <laughs> the trauma. Yes, yes. Sheepishly removed. Yes, yes, mistress. I am a worm. <laughs> I mean, you know, you keep adding stuff that I'm just not going to cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Crack the whip. <laughs> Step on me with your shiny boot of leather. <laughs> Tell me about the history of metal and horror. <laughs> anyway, can I can I say? Yeah, yeah, you can say. You want to read the the intro? No. <laughs> Look, you can you can say it, but don't say it verbatim. Just like you know, just skim from it or something. But you know, it's just say it in your own words. God. Go on. <laughs> Anyway, the the history of metal and horror, twenty twenty one. Um, so this was a. a... <laughs> Shall I begin? Yes, you can. Okay, filmmaker Michael Schiff, straight up. <laughs> uh, no, no, this is a. Uh... Kind of like, hey, have you ever noticed how heavy metal and horror kind of go together? I mean, yeah. And this film kind of, kind of explores that. Kind of, yes. Um, Mostly I... um, what it is is like a series of un- unguided interviews with people about, oh, hey, what's your favorite horror movie? Guy from Megadeth? Or <laughs> <laughs> Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know you picked the one that i knew <laughs> so hey, no, alice but, cooper which one do you like or uh yeah i don't know it's like these figures you know it's like that that are connected to both metal and horror or to either off but um so it sort of starts with like so we'll talk about the host segment in a bit but yeah uh, i think my, my main problem with it was not the subject matter i thought the subject matter would have been really in, is is really interesting you know but I think that, like you said, it, they're kind of unguided interviews. It was, it was a, it needed a stronger directorial hand. I yeah. think a thesis, basically, It's like the filmmaker got all these people to get great, you know, interviews and stuff like that, but then just spliced them in without they didn't think of what to ask them. <laughs> yeah, 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 and sort of let them just talk i mean probably because they're just famous people you know probably admires them or something yeah but yeah. uh which is fine but the movie kind of feels unfocused it feels like it like it lacks a center which is too bad because 
there's a you know there's a lot that you could say about the connection between heavy metal and horror and uh, and you know i think the only one that actually says something to that unprompted is like the guy from guar you know? yeah <laughs> the, like actually the couple of the guys from guar uh, yeah yeah you know like erectus bominus and uh so. <laughs> it's like you know and it's funny because it's like you know one point they're like calling them to the show or, or to the tour bus or say hey we, we gotta go whatever it's like they and they're like interviewing them like out, out in a parking lot you know and, and they're all like dressed up like the yeah. guys from guar always are you know and the, they, they just caught these guys from guar in a parking lot in the middle of the night right before they left to another show or something and they're the ones that give the most interesting responses to the whole yeah, thing yeah, you know? like one of the, the guys he's like, it's about sex you know yeah. it's like one of the things that he says and he's he's right you know a, yeah. a lot of the connection between especially like 80s horror and 70s horror too and you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot about libido sex and yeah. uh, and i think that that was that was interesting and he says some some uh, other things about like you know expressing like the dark feelings of you know yeah yeah and society, plus like, whatever you know he's like the only artist or only musical artist or uh, horror icon that says anything about music. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That he talk, he talk, he kind of talks about about music yeah, yeah. too, which like is, devil, which is... tr- devil's tritone and double bass drums, and you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he's sorry. It's like he's sort of giving you an idea of what horror as it means to him musically, which is something that you can sort of grasp. Yeah. Which the other guys were, were like, well, you know, it's you know horror and <laughs> um, horror and metal have always had a close history whatever okay but what is it you know <laughs> right uh you want to talk about metal and what makes things metal and you know like their their big conclusion is that is uh, music was around forever <laughs> oh my god i thought it, I, I thought it was funny because it's sort of like the movie is like in two segments right mm-hmm. and at first it goes like you know the history of horror you know we're gonna start with the history of horror oh and yeah the, yeah and, and, they, they and then out the, like the universal then, monsters great grandchildren <laughs> Yes, like the, Eddie Karloff and uh, uh, Ron Chaney the fifth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I actually found interesting that you know their their tone is sort of as like caretakers of. Their, yeah. their legacy, their family's legacy and stuff, you know, right. um, which I thought was fine. But it's like, you know, they go like, oh, you know, horror, right? And then they go like, humanity has always needed stories or, you know. <laughs> It's like, it's like almost, that's almost like saying, um, you know, uh, in the beginning, there was the word, you know, or something like that, you know, trying to go back to like, you know, the the barrier or like the big bang or something like that. In conclusion, Iraq is a land of contrasts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, you know, it's like, yeah, music has been around forever. You know, it's like one, one guy, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, music has been around since uh, forever. You know, it's like, Yeah. (laughs) You, know? uh-huh. you want to talk a little bit about metal but what if we can get a little closer you know yeah. it's like it's, it's just a little the scope is kind of kind of kind of crazy you know but um but i think that for all it it has a lot of cool cameos of like people horror and and um and metal but it just really failed to say much about the connection which i think is yeah. sort of like sort of like both subjects is kind of separate in in a way right and there's like like a whole lot of interesting avenues that you could have gone from this 
but mostly they uh they kind of focus on uh shock rock horror shows where you know uh Iggy mm-hmm. Pop covers himself in peanut butter and throws himself into the crowd or you know <laughs> uh the Ozzy biting the head off a bat or uh Alice Cooper uh simulating his own death on stage things like that you know yeah. oh, that's the horror part of metal yeah well, what's the metal part of horror um, well but you know it, 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 it but in a way I think that just focusing on that just makes it be about showmanship which yeah. I don't think that it that it's what it wants to say I think it's what it wants to say is as is that there's a deeper connection between mm-hmm. the two but it doesn't show us that. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't quite bear it out. I think. Um, yeah. I I enjoyed it though. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like for you know such exciting takes as music has been around forever, and uh, you know I think people <laughs> like to tell stories. Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if, if we can move over to our looks, feels, skills. Yeah, stuff. yeah. That's what I was going to. Because I, I don't know. If we, we don't have much else to say, but yeah, let's let's go to them. Yeah. Um, looks. You know, we, we got to see Michael Berryman, Tom Savini, Alice Cooper. Alice, he's he's such a treasure. Uh, yeah, Arthur Brown. I, yes. Oh, my God. That that was really interesting to me. Some people that are really big legends in their field. Um, and Ar- Arthur Brown, you know, it's like the, the, the crazy world of Arthur Brown, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the fire guy, you know, and... Uh, you see him like you know putting, <laughs> you know, and he pulling fire on his head, and he seems like a really chill guy now. You know, like oh, a yeah, real chill yeah. old guy wearing like this poncho thing. You know, it's, it's, it was great. And and um, one thing that we forgot that um, well, one thing that uh, about is that there's a kind of a host segment basically, <laughs> which is which a is a framing uh, device, a framing device, which in in the future this survivor of an apocalyptic wasteland finds a box of tapes uh, of eight tracks, apparently, which are yeah. video eight tracks because he just, you know, eight track tapes, you know, he, he can just yeah. plug, plug them in and, and they, they have the history of metal and horror by Michael Berryman, which was interesting to see him too. And of course, you know, then he starts getting like, you know, Ooh, but I can see you, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, well, why would anyone ask these questions about horror and metal? Here, let me show you a bunch of unfocused interviews about mm-hmm. what's going on there. So yeah, so the uh, the looks uh, it was it was documentaries or Talking Head kind of kind of style. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even talk to the Talking Heads. The <laughs> I kind of enjoyed like the the Guar interview because it's like they were sort of like in their uh, in their medium, you know. They, yeah. they were like you know like, again like covered in uh, you know all the with all their makeup and all their latex you know prosthetics uh, and stuff for us that you know all, all the all their monster makeup and, and they were like on the way you know to another show you know it's it's like it felt more uh more alive than i don't know dave mustine just sitting you know they got like, you know, horror <laughs> right right and like and to their credit guars about the only ones that talked about me- the musical portion of metal at all yeah. And like, even then, it's like, all right, guys, you got 10 minutes. And it's like, oh, okay. And he's like the only one, like, and you know, Blothar is the only one saying anything uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, with fe- with Fields, I think I, I think it was fine, but I think it needed a stronger, again, a stronger directorial hand and a thesis or more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same. They, they like needed they had no narrative, nothing to, you know, kind of I think, carry I think, you through it. 
I think they in the maybe the interviews needed a little more guidance so that they it wasn't just trite points basically that they were making, you know. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure these people have very interesting things to say, you know, but or maybe not. <laughs> but anyway, um uh, with skills, uh, I thought it was a bit too long, like it needed a little bit of trimming. I had uh, flashbacks to Leviathan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the documentary, uh, the very, very long documentary about Hellraiser. Look, um, look, they were able to get the original clapper loader from the first Hellraiser movie to talk about Hellraiser. Clive Barker was done talking about Hellraiser, so he didn't th- show up. <laughs> one thing that I really wish that the movie had done it could have used more actual metal music and yeah. cool scenes from movies. You know, maybe I understand. Maybe that's an issue of rights and and, and everything. But putting the, especially the, the metal, you know, yeah. unless you know who a lot of these people are, you don't know what their music sounds like, right. which robs a lot of flavor from the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, blah, blah, just talking heads, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And like... There's like so much of the metal genre that, you know, intersects with horror that they didn't even get into. Like, no, I mean, like, again, you know, it's like in like all the 70s metal, 80s metal. But, you yeah. know, it's like you have to up to today, you know, like a, a horror, horror metal bands, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like, we're not going to talk about or talk to anybody like from death metal, black metal, like, you know, uh, the movie Lords of Chaos, which is like that with Rory Culkin, kind of a dramatization of... Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, Varg and all that. Yeah, yeah Varg, <laughs> Varg. Yeah, the, yeah, the you know, church like burner. An actual horror show. Um, that I, that I, was I, like I sh- an interesting thing. Rob Zombie was uh, was interesting sometimes too. Right, uh, but he was like, but I think that's because he him. is he is more interesting. He is a more interesting interviewee, I guess. Like I, yeah. And yeah, finally. But- with the the smells, I think it's it it ends up sort of concluding in a way that the joining of both has to do with a kind of emotional release and being against the mainstream sort of thing, which is kind of yeah. okay. But because you know a lot of metal is today is very mainstream, yeah. you know. And uh, I don't know. At the end, uh, I thought that there was a more than a whiff of misogyny and i mean not not from the director or anything but from some of the interviewers it's like you know to talk about like in very male terms you know right and 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 i'm like and i'm like okay so so women can't okay i see (laughs) right you know it's like uh, when there's a bunch of you know there are male bands with women a lot lots of them you know yeah but you know, women—they—they they don't like the horror genre. Clearly, I mean, this is only right, th- and that—that that plays into like another big thing with the smells, where like, like pretty much to a man, every one of these metal and horror people have this sort of a, a chip on their shoulder, aggrieved nerd thing going on, <laughs> and, and they're like gatekeepers of like horror culture and metal, and you know, and it's just like yeah, 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 with, yeah. with such you know blistering points of view like music's been around since forever <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but but anyway you know i you know it was it was enjoyable to watch you know i, I would love to see i would love to see the 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 subject maybe done a little better you yeah. know with maybe more interesting interviews maybe a little trimmed maybe with again with them a thesis you know sort of like you know not trying not just trying to find it out there to whatever happens but sort of having m- more of a deeper idea i don't know if like a, 
kind of deeper philosophical idea about why these two genres match you know or you know anything at all about yeah. music mm-hmm. yeah music <laughs> i would i i would have really enjoyed you know talking about you know horror influences on music on actual lines you know and stuff like for example you know uh doom the game doom yeah you know a lot of a lot of those are just like straight up uh, riffs from metal bands you know and and they're used in a horror way you know like yeah. just like they, they construct these horror not just scenes but sort of music and why did why it wasn't just because that's what the the developers were listening to is because you know in, in a way it matched the same like same they way go together and work why right right <laughs> same with like quake for example quake and uh and like sort of more industrial metal for example mm-hmm. I thought that would have been really interesting. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it wasn't a problem with the, with the, uh, the subject. It was a problem with how trite it kind of ended up being. Yeah. But anyway. also on the <laughs> other hand, it's like, you know, neat. Uh, you know, we get to see Tom Savini and Alice Cooper and you know, all these people. And they're talking oh, about great to see a Tom yeah. Savini and stuff. Yeah. 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 And Arthur Brown is just fucking awesome in real life. I am the God of hellfire and I bring you fire. Anyway, our, uh, our, our our last and least as far as documentaries go, Self-Portrait, director Joel Walinga, 2021, 68 Minutes, Experimental stop. Canada, a stop portrait with of that. humanity as captured by its oh my surveillance God. cameras. Uh. <laughs> so um, it, it's kind of a movie that's not, not so much of a movie. Are we going to start over? No, no, I just explained the plot of the movie. It's a portrait of humanity as captured uh, uh, by its surveillance cameras. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, l- let me read. Hold on. L- let me look up the Rotten Tomato score and let me read the, the, the tomato consensus or something. It's not out yet. Shut up. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, it, it's basically that. It's just like, all right, here's what security cam footage, but it's just like shots of the things that you can see with security cameras. And it turns out that like a lot of these security cameras all over the world aren't that secure and that you can just like kind of hack into them and like see what they're taking. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that uh, and I'm sure they, they didn't hack into them, but a lot of these, I read about this, uh, that a lot of these uh, servers like that, that they, you know, that they're open basically. So anyone can, if you know how to find the, the address, you can just, go in and, and, and log into the security camera software and just watch it if you want, because they're not secured by default. Uh, probably the situation has changed, but, yeah. and I don't think that, you know, probably all these are legally obtained, you know, and, and, and not that it, it would be illegal to go and watch, you know, someone's unsecured security camera server, if, if it's open to the mm-hmm. internet. Um, I think there was there was a page that had that had a bunch of them that you know one of those internet you know sort of side lists kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so it's a collection of security camera footage from all over the world in different seasons. Sometimes it's the same place at different times, and it's you know security camera footage. I'm assuming that they're adding the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, all these have sounds like wind, you know, and, and, and rain and stuff. And usually security cameras don't have microphones. Right. You know, 
so it and a lot of this is probably like the the you know the the opposite of the musicless music video you know so yeah, like yeah. was sort of like the same thing you know it's like they're, they're adding the sounds but I, th- I thought it, I thought that was fine but I I thought that there were there's like interesting shots of of places that I never never seen like there's some yeah. fantastic shots of uh, wind turbines in the sea for example mm-hmm. I thought that that was great but. I have to say that it was, to me, it felt too long and kind of boring in a way, which yeah. you want to be absorbed in it. And I don't know. And I think that maybe it's, it was trying to go for sort of a meditative tone, especially with, you know, self-portrait, you know, yeah. sort of. But I don't know that it that really comes through too much other than it's a collection of yeah you know it's not like it follows like any people or like certain events it's just sort of like goes through like all these different security cam footage of you know the great outdoors mm-hmm. and um there are some cool shots where you see just like thoroughfares and things that are built for people to use and mm-hmm. people not using them mm-hmm. and um and just going into the you know we don't have i don't have a ton to say about this one other than you know there's some interesting shots and places, but in some of them do give you kind of a more of a sense of place. Like you can, yeah. like you can like with the wind and stuff like that. But in general, it felt kind of inconsequential. Oh yeah. And, and I'm just going to go into our looks, feels, skills yeah, and same. smells, you know? So with the regards to the looks, it's just security camera footage with like added sounds the feels to me. They were intermittently interesting shots. I appreciated the concept. Uh, actually, I think it's an interesting idea, but I didn't think that it came through really. I, I was bored, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And this is not. And uh, this is going to the skills. This is not to to dig at the you know whoever made this because they obviously obviously put a lot of work into the selection. You have to watch this stuff, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and into the editing and all that and making it have sound and and all that. There's obviously a lot of work that went to, into it, but in the end, I'm. I don't really think it works. I mean, it rem- if I'm going to think of a movie like that, um, you know, I was, th- I was thinking about, about Saint Soleil, the Chris Marker movie, uh, which is it sort of puts like these different, you know, we haven't, you haven't seen it. Uh, uh, we'll watch it sometime. Um, it's this movie where like it, uh, classic movie from the guy that made La Jetée, mm-hmm. uh, which is like these, different people around the world and uh, sort of keeps returning to these tribes in uh, in the jungle and into like uh like japan like the 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 ginza in tokyo or something like that but uh it has a narrative that that one has a narrative but you could put something together you know, especially to the the self-portrait, that movie is kind of like that about us. It's sort of like a view from outside of the humanity is sort of like the, the letters of an alien almost. It's, it's great. But um, you could put something together of depth and of consequence in this manner, especially given the title, but I don't think it never rises above the bones of the materials, basically. Hmm. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I thought it was some parts were interesting, but uh, overall, not not great for me. All right. Uh, and how did it smell? 
that was to me that, that that was the smell you know like the the thing about the fact that it doesn't it's it doesn't reach any kind the kind of depth and consequence that it obviously wants to yeah or intends to all right now i'll begin my uh looks uh feels skills smells uh looks there's some cool shots not enough to captivate you for the entire hour kind of boring honestly feels it was boring and uninteresting basically video wallpaper skills uh it's kind of neat that you can hack all these cameras but there is no narrative or focus and smells it is a cool concept but maybe narrow it as there is no subject no statement nothing going on here it could be tighter it could have a, a you know could be following the laugh of a bird or something uh but it doesn't and we're about to be kicked off yep end of part one anyway i'm andy i'm vivian and if you agree or disagree with any of our takes send us a tweet at fafcast f-a-f-c-a-s-t then share that tweet with like-minded individuals let them know that we're out there and that we care we do we care we care about all your opinions send us all your opinions we love you and, and like and subscribe and follow and uh yeah we're, we're at facebook too at faffing about slash book slash faffing about film and you know review us on itunes uh mm-hmm. get the pot out there you, you know vandalize some no wait uh <laughs> do some fast street tags no. yeah yeah uh oh but be sure to join us next time for part two of the chattanooga film festival bye bye Filmmaker Mike Schiff's straight up blast of documentary stop, explores the history please stop. of heavy metal no, music no, and, no. and how two genres have okay, merged over time. Okay, recording no longer in process because you suck Share. as a reviewer. <laughs>